Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. All right, praise God. Amen. All right, we, we're going to continue. We're going to continue from where we stopped yesterday on understanding biblical discipleship. Understanding biblical discipleship. Praise God. All right. Understanding biblical discipleship. Just take the volume down a little bit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's let's go with it. Praise God. Okay, let's um, let's see if we can. And this is going to also. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Okay. All right. Let's um, let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive, and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your Word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Alright, did I hear an amen? amen? That's better. Okay, we'll, we're going to continue with our discussion on the subject of discipleship. Alright? And um, today, we're particularly going to look at the demands of discipleship. We're going to look at the demands of discipleship. And it's important for us to understand that like we said yesterday, that discipleship is being a learner. Someone who learns. Someone who sits at the feet of another person called a rabbi to learn. 
Now, let's go to Matthew chapter, Luke chapter 10. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. And um, I want to show you something there. Verse 42. Luke chapter 10 and verse 42. Luke 10, 42. If you look at verse 38, now follow this. It says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Now observe that. Pay attention to this. It says, She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. So, Mary had an attitude. And what was that attitude? Seated at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came to him, she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the seven alone? Then tell her to help me. Look at this, he says, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. You are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What's the good part that Mary chose? Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his word. You know, many times... When we talk about working for God, a lot of us actually focus on the physical activities. And that is why you find out that uh, someone can work for God and their lifestyle does not reflect Christ. Because what transforms a man is the message. What transforms a man is what he's listening to, is what is feeding his spirits. Praise God. Are you still here? What you're feeding, I, it's a good part that cannot be taken away from you. The part of listening to the message. So we said that a disciple listen to the message of his teacher. Now, I, I want to show you something and then we're going to come back before we talk about the demands of discipleship. Go to Second Timothy. Go to Second Timothy um, chapter 3. And verse 14. 2 Timothy 3 verse 14. You, however, Paul was speaking, continue in the things you have learned. Please pay attention to this. And become convinced of. There are two things there. It says, continue in the things you have learned. And, and, and become convinced of. So, uh, learning is one thing and getting convinced of the same is another thing. You become convinced. How do you become convinced? By learning. Learning is what breeds conviction. Hallelujah. You see, there are certain things in your life you should be convinced about right now where the faith is concerned. Look at this. You, however, continue the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. That means that Timothy learned from someone. In the making of men, God raises men to teach men. 
It's important to understand this. That our learning is to breed conviction. And that conviction is to shape our character. You are as much as a believer as the fruits that you reflect. Not just the head knowledge. Not just the head knowledge. You know, um, my son is praying for the junior wife. And he asked me a question, uh, uh, a Bible question. So when he asked the question, I gave him the answer. Then he was trying to say something. So myself and the mom told him, if you want to pass this exam, write what the teacher said. <laughs> okay? But this is what he's saying. But write this one to pass. What that means is that knowledge and revelation are two different things. So someone can have his head full of everything about Christ, but his life does not reflect it. That is why sometimes, when, and, and, and I say this when you also, for singles who are not married, the fact that somebody comes to church regularly does not mean that he's a serious believer. He can just be a believer that does not miss church. You know, serious believers should come to church, but character transformation is, is a different ballgame entirely. So you don't just watch person, uh, you don't just watch someone by how they come to church, it's, they should come to church, or how busy they are in church. There are people who are busy in church, but are not spiritually matured. Are you following this now? I can't hear you. Are you following this? It says, however, continuing the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Who did he, who did he learn this thing from? It wasn't so much as Apostle Paul as much as his mother, his parents. Now, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Remember I told you yesterday that the Jews uh, had a commitment to teach their children from childhood about the scriptures. And that from childhood you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. And profitable for teaching. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. Because this is how the receiving of scripture. Receiving of scripture builds you up for discipleship. Now, scripture is not only for teaching. Teaching is one of the purposes of scripture. Now, look at what it says. It says, for the word of God, all scripture, is inspired by God. And profitable for what? For teaching. What's the number two thing? Reproof. What does reproof mean? Right? What does reproof mean? <laughs> okay, homework. Reproof is not... Well, you can use it, but in this sense it's different because there's correction there. So you couldn't have said for correction, for correction. So for reproof, for correction... For training in righteousness. Now, if you observe that, you will see that teaching and training, two things. Reproof and correction, two things. You see, the balance of discipleship is not just that you are receiving um, training and teaching. You should also receive reproof and correction from scriptures. Scriptures should correct you. Scriptures should reprove you. That's how you are trained in righteousness. You're, you're not trained in righteousness just by gathering knowledge. You're trained in righteousness that scripture brings reproof and correction. So when you receive reproof and correction, you don't term it as condemnation. No. 
This is what prepares you. This is what trains you in righteousness. Now go on. So that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Now when he uses the word man of God here, he wasn't talking about uh, pastors. He was talking about everybody. Now, what are these good works? Ephesians 2.10 The Bible says, Where God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good work. It's the manifestation of our outward righteousness. For what His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He says, for you to be able to fulfill this, you have to be trained in Scripture. Praise God. I said, praise God. Luke 6.40 we're looking at demands of discipleship today. Luke chapter 6 verse 40. Luke chapter 6 verse 40. A pupil, remember that's the same word used for disciple, is not above his teacher. But everyone, anybody who subscribes, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. So, he say, if you are fully trained, you'll be like your teacher. And I gave an example yesterday. Let's imagine that we are all students. We are going to the university. And this dear lady decided she was going to become a nurse. I decided I was going to become an engineer. Somebody else decided I was going to become a motor mechanic. We subject ourselves to teachers in those fields. And for medicine, let's say after eight years, you become a doctor like the person who taught you when you entered year one. Why? You've been fully trained. After four years, I probably become a mechanical engineer. After four years, the other person probably becomes a motor mechanic. You see, we subjected ourselves to training for four years and we became like our teacher because we've been fully trained. Let me use a local uh, example. When you sign up as an apprentice, you know you can't go there the first day and the man is teaching you. Now say, I know it. You know they'll drive you. So you go. And you start doing things gradually. Start doing things gradually. After four years of five, well, you shouldn't get up to four years. We are learning fast. <laughs> Let's see if you are smart. After two and a half years, you have what you call your freedom. Right? And you have now become what? A certified tailor. Let's use tailors, for example. Then what will happen? Other apprentices will now come. You are now a master. Are you hearing? Am I correct? Okay. So you are now a master. How did you become a master? You were fully trained. You were discipled. So in fact, if you so close well, your, the main master who trained you can refer people to you and say, oh, that's one of my boys that I trained. But you know if you so close badly, he will even tell you, when you live here, don't tell anybody that you learned here. And <laughs> they'll tell you. Or some will not want to give you the certificate. They'll say, just go. He said, well, what do we have to do for freedom? He said, don't, you don't, don't do anything. You are free. <laughs> because you didn't subject yourself to the demands of training. So, uh, this is where I'm going. Your goal is to become like Jesus. My goal is to become like Jesus. If we are fully trained, just as Jesus said, if you have seen the Father, you have seen me, we should be able to tell people that. You see, in Christianity, we appeal more to our humanity than our divinity. So, we like to do things. They will not say, ah, but we are human beings. Are we not human beings? Say, yes, we are human beings. We are human rights. <laughs> right? We like that. 
So once somebody starts holding you up to spiritual standards, you drop to the flesh. You see, but Jesus came to show us that it is possible to live by the standard of the scriptures. He says, be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. The Greek word used for perfection there is the word teleos. It means matured. Be matured. Be fully grown. Be matured. That's the same word used for that's the same word used for perfection in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. That uh, the saints are to bring you to perfection. The goal of your pastor in your life is to train you to maturity. You should be more matured. And there's no greater reflection of maturity in the Christian faith than the life that you live. The life that you live. You see, Jesus did not die on the cross for us to just, you know, just live, I mean, whatever kind of life we want to live. And I've always said this. I think, you know, when people talk about, I mean, the eschatological teachings, and they say, oh, you know, salvation is about heaven. And I don't argue with that. But you see, it, it gives people a sense that I'm just saved so I can make heaven. And however my life is on earth here, let me just make heaven. So people just find, what's the borderline? What, what's the borderline? What's the borderline? How far can I? They don't see that. Listen, God is entrusting in us the responsibility to represent Him on the earth. That everything about us represents Him. Our actions, our attitude. You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that when they saw the boldness of Peter and James and they knew that they were unlearned men, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They, 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 you see, when they, when they saw their boldness, they're like, where did you get this boldness from? They remembered, oh, these were the disciples of Jesus and that's how he was. Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto you. What did Peter have? Peter had the same thing that Jesus had. That's our goal. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That means, even as your pastor, my goal is Christ. I'm not your goal. Jesus is our corporate goal. So, there are demands of discipleship. Are you still here? And discipleship is formed by teachings. John, 8, John 18, 19. John 18, 19. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John chapter 18, verse 19. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. So for every rabbi, two things will stand out. Your disciples and your teachings. Your disciples and your teachings. You see, Christianity is not just a religion to escape hell. It's a new life. It should shape everything about you. It should shape your decisions. It should shape your marriage. It should shape your friends. It should shape every, every single thing around you ought to be shaped by the teachings that you have or that you're receiving. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Now, Discipleship is people committed to following a leader, emulating his life, and passing on his teachings. John 8, 31, Jesus says to the Jews who have believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. If you hold to my teachings, if you continue in my word, then you are truly, my, truly disciples of mine. So, to know whose disciples you are, we have to know which word you're continuing. It's not easy to become a man's disciple. It's not easy. 
You have to stay with the teachings. And that's why I said to you, one of the greatest challenges we have in this generation is multiple teachers. So you can see one person listening to many people. Multiple teachers. He said, ah, this one is blessing my soul. This one is blessing my soul. Everybody is blessing your soul. You don't get fully matured like that. You don't get fully matured like that. Hallelujah. If you are my disciples, you will continue in my word. It is in that state that you are truly my disciple. Continue. So it's the teachings that make disciples. It's not in the clapping. It's not in the singing. It's in the teaching. When you are a Christian or you're child of God, people ought to see. That ought to reflect the way you talk. The way you respond to things. Like I said yesterday, uh, some of us respond like we're missing the old life. You see, if I was not born again, if, I, if not for church, I would have dealt with you. That means church is holding you back from dealing with the man. It's, it's like almost a punishment. He said, go and ask them before I became born again. It's Christianity that has made me quiet. You are almost regretting that you are too quiet. <laughs> you know, for some of us, we just want our spirit to be saved. But let God leave us to live the way we think life will be lived. You know, when God says, be slow to speak, say no. If you don't talk, people will not respect you. We, 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 you see, we like to live opposite of scriptures. We find joy in it. Do you think it would have been easy for Jesus to tell the disciples if they slap you in one cheek, turn the other cheek? Do you think if you were in that church, you would, you would not write it down? You know what Jesus is teaching? Say, they slap you in one cheek, turn the other one. He said, you don't know bunny people. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. you we always find, there's always an excuse not to do God's word. There's always an excuse. And you realize that the Lord was teaching them, giving them these instructions when they were in the midst of persecution, when people were looking for them to kill them. Not even now that uh, nobody's really persecuting you. And so, they were stoning Jesus, they were killing Jesus on the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And when they started killing Stephen in the book of Acts, Stephen said the same words. He says, Father, do not lay this charge against them. He replied like Jesus because he was trained by those that Jesus trained. That's to show you the teaching was effective. Stephen was not directly trained by Jesus. The apostles picked Stephen as a deacon in the church to serve tables. And after many years, when they were to kill Stephen, he replied the same way Jesus replied on the cross. That means the apostles had fully uh, formed Stephen. Stephen was convinced of the doctrine of Jesus. That while they were stoning him to death, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Second generation disciple had the same response that Jesus had on the cross. We want Christianity to be comfortable. We want Christianity uh, that is okay with the world. Hmm? We want Christianity that is... There, there are no boundaries.
Hmm? That's just okay. You can just listen to as much secular songs as you can. After all, it does not do you anything. You can do this. You can. You, you are just looking for how far can we go with sin? How far? <laughs> Let's look at the demands of discipleship. Uh, there was something Peter said. Let me see if I can find it. If I can find what Peter said. Let me read it to you so that you will hear from the mouth of Peter. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21. Oh, thank you Lord Jesus. I found it. First Peter 2.21 For you have, look at this. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Whose steps are you to follow? I didn't hear you. Whose steps are you to follow? Christ. He says, he says that's your calling. That's the purpose. You know, many of us, we like to do the miracles of Christ, but we don't like the character of Christ. You know why? Oh, the miracle will bring us fame. We like to use his name to cast out demons, but we don't like him to be Lord of our lives. You know, that's showmanship again. <laughs> You know, I went to, uh, I was in Lauren last week. Was it last week? Was it last week? Yeah, I, was in, I, was in, I was in Lauren last week. So, uh, the meeting I had in Lauren before I went to Obomoshore, I, I finished preaching and then, you know, just, God just flowed in the word of knowledge. So I said, there are two people here with pain. I didn't say two people. I said, there are people here with pains. Two people showed up. So, I laid hands on the first woman. She had a baby at the back uh, in the morning session. And then an older man came back. So, I laid hands on the man. And they went back to the seat. The older man said, the, the lady came back in the evening session. She just gave birth three weeks ago. Uh, her birth process was very traumatic. So she's had pain right here in her back since three weeks. In fact, she was not supposed to come to the meeting because they referred her back to the hospital. But she just said, well, she'll show up and then she'll go to the hospital after the meeting. And then she was completely healed. Completely healed. All the pain's gone. The second man was an older man. He had arthritis. And... Uh, we had finished the meeting the third day. We had closed, we had set the grace. And then the master I working for, that he has to say something. He doesn't want to become like the ten lepers. I said, what happened? And then the man said, when hands were laid on him, he went back. He was completely healed of arthritis. Completely healed. Both of them were completely healed. So when I put up the report of the meeting, I put up the report of the meeting. I didn't mention, I had your pictures, but I didn't put up the pictures. So the, the man called me and said, eh, why didn't I put... The healings that took place in the meetings. <laughs> I mean, the people who are healed are healed. They will tell people they are healed. It's not necessary. Then, they came for the camp meeting. How many of you were at the camp meeting we just finished? And then we had the Holy Ghost night. And it was, it was just massive. So he came to me. Then you see, people just see you only teaching, teaching. These things, it will make people really understand that your ministry is not limited to teaching. I said, that's where the problem is. Trying to make people understand that you are more than what they think. That is where the problem is. Is it Christianity is not showmanship? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not trying to make people know us. No, it's about Jesus. It's about your motives. Purifying your motives. Clarifying your motives. You're not using ministry to make a name. You're not use, using. You're not trying to gain followers. No. No. You're not trying to gain followers. 
This thing is about getting the message to as much people as we can get it to. It's never about us. He says we should walk in his steps. We should walk in his steps. You see, write this scripture down. Don't ever forget it. You are called to walk in the steps of Jesus. Every time you do something, ask yourself, would Jesus do this? Is this his steps? How would Jesus respond to the taxi driver who insults him? Will he give him a piece of his mind and say, you know, sometimes I say, God forgive me, oh, God forgive me. But you driver, <laughs> you have asked for forgiveness. <laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have sanctified the insults. He said, there are more insults, but let me just stop here because I'm a believer. <laughs> Nothing reveals who you truly are like when you are angry. That's when words come out. That's when your the real nature in quotes that you've been hiding comes. When you are upset. When people look down on you. When people despise you. It's not when everything... As we are here, we are all nice believers. It's when you go out there and then somebody sits on your space. Say, I'm respecting you. But respect is not foolishness. And then you start all these parables. And then the next day you come to church and see that person. How do you respond? How do you respond? Or you go to work. Hmm? How do you respond? That's discipleship. Character formation. That's what is we're lacking that we need to get back to character formation. As a believer, money was given to you at your workplace to hold. You now used it. That when they want to collect the money, they should let you know. You see, I've always said this. If something is not yours, it's not yours. Do you realize in the Old Testament, the people that kept the account for Solomon, the scripture says, uh, for the temple, it says no account was required from them for they dealt faithfully. Old Testament, without the Holy Spirit, they didn't need account from them because they dealt faithfully. Can you be trusted with finances? Can you be trusted with sisters around you? Scripture says deal with the younger ones as sisters, as sisters and brothers. Can you be trusted with people? Can you be trusted with opportunity? Or do you fake every opportunity as an opportunity to show that you are in power? Can you be trusted? These are the issues we need to... This is what discipleship is. It's, it's separate from the multitude who just want God for fish and bread. Let's read something. Uh, demands. Luke 14. Demands of discipleship. 25. Luke 14, 25. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke 14, 25 to 35 in Mark chapter 10. Luke 14, 25. And I'll talk to you about that. Verse 25. Now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, Do you realize that all through the ministry of Jesus, he did not lack crowds? Do you realize that? Hello? Do you realize that he did not lack crowds? But at the cross, how many people were there? How many people were at the cross with him? His mother. <laughs> his mother. And I'm sure his mother just said, Ah, after I've carried you for nine months. His wood, you said you want to die. Yeah, the one just went there. And uh, at the upper room, how many people were there? About 120. 
Do you realize that it was from the upper room Jesus had to start raising disciples again by the message of Peter? All the thousands of people who followed Jesus that ate fish, that drank, ate fish as they drank bread. <laughs> All those people hmm, who were pursuing him after eating fish. This scripture says they crossed over to the other side. They entered Kenu. Say, our master, wah, wah, we've been looking for you now. <laughs> Is there no bread service today? And that's why you realize, mark my words, go read church history. Every church that was built on miracles, signs, and wonders that was not built on doctrine, when the founder died, after many years, the churches came down. The only woman who operated so strong in the miraculous but her church is still in existence. Is the founder of First Square Gospel Church, Amesim Macpherson, because they had a strong Sunday school component with that church, and so she did miracles. But she had strong teaching. It's it's her church that's still there. No, but even Catherine Kuma, who had one of the greatest miraculous power you can ever. Catherine Kuma had one of the most tremendous healing ministries. Can't find anything about his church. Alexander Dewey, Miracle Valley, Jack Cole, all of those people. Ale- um, Alexander Dewey, Zion City, Miracle Valley was Jaco, A. Allen, sorry. Jaco, all of those guys who would pick up cripples by, by, by I mean, <laughs> almost at will. Because miracles don't bet conviction, doctrine does. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you realize that the disciples of Jesus who stood with him, he performed no miracle for? Peter was not blind. Matthew was not crippled. But Lomi was not mad. He didn't cast out devils from them. But he kept teaching them. Kept training them. If you want to follow a man, follow his teachings. Stay glued to his teachings. That's how the formation comes. Let's go to Matthew for things. Now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, and children, and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Strong statement. If anyone comes to me, that word hate, used in that place, the Greek rendering is not hatred like we know it, but rather it's loveless. That means if you put two things in, uh, sorry, put two things in a scale, right? Or put two things, you're weighing two things. Okay. For instance, you say Manchester United and Chelsea. You hate Chelsea. You know, you know that's what it is. You hate. So that means you love them less. Look at these kind of people. We're talking discipleship, right? But that's what I'm trying to say. It's about putting two things and you say, hey, between these two, I love this one more. It's not like you hate that one, but your degree of love for this one is higher. Do you follow that now? That's the context. So he's saying, if you come to me, you must love less your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Now, this would have been interesting if he ends there. Jesus now goes on to say, you must love less your own life. He says, if not, look at these words. You cannot be my disciple. You cannot. There are many people whose mothers and fathers and brothers stop them from serving God. See, let me tell you, when it comes to discipleship, there is where family relationship ends. One of our, one of our uh, kind of mentors or teachers that we listen to, 
We always say this. It looks very stupid in courts. But they decided that for the... They were married. They are married. And, but they decided for the sake of the gospel, to have time for the gospel without distraction, they were not going to have children. And so they don't have any kids. <laughs> so I say, hmm? Because to us, once you get married, the next one year, say, how far? He said, if there's any problem, tell us, oh, they're not the high, though. <laughs> I mean, trouble have started. Eh? We realize for the sake of the kingdom. So they can have time for what God has called them to do. I know it looks strange. Because everything is about us. Are there decisions you've taken that there are many people who cannot serve God well because of their family. There are even married people who cannot serve God well because of the people they are married to. The kingdom of God is second in their choice. This is what we're talking about, disciples. You see, these are the words of Jesus. I'm not talking about the words of men. If anyone comes to me and does not love less his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, some people, the children is their God. The children is their God. I can play with anything. I cannot play with my children. No problem. Does the love of God, is it, is it, is it first place? And that's why you, see, you must realize this. In everything you're going to, let Christ be first place. Let God be first place. These are the demands of discipleship. The, 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 the disciple of Jesus Christ must put his master above those nearest and dearest to him. Our love for him must have precedence over any other. Our attachment to him must be greater than any other. Don't compromise your convictions. I remember during our traditional ceremony, that was when all this Makusa music was raining. And they, they, they said I should march out of the house. So I was marching out of the house and I heard the Makusa music, so I stopped. So I said, you should go change it. And they said, no, it's just my ceremony. So then she wasn't my wife. Told them that if you don't change it, he won't move. And me, I won't move. Oh, no, no, no. I won't move. I won't move. Uh, if you don't buy drink, this marriage will not hold. It won't hold. It, it won't hold. There are things, and that's why I say they don't call me for certain family meetings. Because there's nothing you do in this life. Nothing. That's the day that tradition will stop. There are things I won't do. There are things I, you, you, I won't do. I, I would rather do without. And they have to change it. Oh, they have to change it. One step, I won't worship idols. Ah, but it's just music. It's nothing. It's just your leg. It's not entering your heart. My leg does not move. There are things I won't move to. You see, it's like when we're coming. <laughs> you know, I, tell, I said it yesterday. As we entered the car, the first thing I told the drivers, is here secular music? He said, yes, put it off. My kids don't listen to secular music. They, they, must not, they can hear it when they are going to school, but not in the same space. It must not come out of my radios. It must not come out. As far as we paid for that whole vehicle, if it was a public transport, it's different. But that we paid for the vehicle, that music won't come on. I, I mean, as a church, they screenshot their worship. I didn't even know that that was a song until I showed my wife that. People are complaining about the song these people are singing. Oh, she now said, told me, I haven't heard that song. I said, no. It was for Lucky for the Night that 
the choir converted to praise song. That's what, no, that's what they were singing. I didn't know there was a song like that. So, my, so I mean, and that's how bad we have gotten. That, because I was telling my wife that if this person converted such a song, that means the person would have listened to it, listened to it, tried to change the lyrics. What business do you have? How low can we get in the body of Christ? How low? The Holy Spirit can't give you new songs again. The Holy Spirit can't give you new songs again. They, you see, if we don't watch this, we will go to the point where there... You know, let me tell you something. And you need to watch this. The whole of Europe was swept by revival. Go and read about the revival that happened in England. Go and read about the Scottish revival. Even Robert, the Wales revival. Go and read about Azusa Street. William J. Seymour. Go and read about what happened. And go to those nations today. The churches have been converted to clubs. Christianity is at the brink of extinct if there is no apostolic strength. Because what happens is compromise increases from generation to generation until what happens? The lines are blown. And that's why today we can openly de- debate if we should ordain gay bishops in the church. And we have churches that have gone ahead to do that. You might look at that as, ah, God forbid. But it's little compromise that leads to big compromise. The disciple of Jesus must hold firm. I think it was Ignatius. If it's not Ignatius, then it's Polycarp. One of the church fathers, either Ignatius or Polycarp. They were to take him to the amphitheater. The Roman emperor... You know, normally they take you to the amphitheater uh, and then they release bears and lions and, and, and to come and, you know, that was, what, that was their spot in those days. If you go to, if you go to uh, Greece today, you will still see some of those amphitheaters, like stadiums. And, uh, and when they're doing those stuff, they, they had Christians in prison. That's where that song, uh, One by One They Chose to Die, um, and all that came from. All right? The Savior, they won't deny and it was either Ignatius or Polycarp, one of the church fathers. And they were to throw him to the bear. And then he, he, he said he should write a letter to his church. And he wrote to his church and said, Pray for me that when the bear sees me, my body will be sweet to him. My blood will be on it to him. That he will lick me up and eat me up so I can meet the Savior who died for me. He wasn't praying that God should preserve him. Those people were so convinced of Christianity, they were not afraid of death. That's where disciple is. Not loving your own life. Not loving your own life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were to be thrown into the fire and say, you know what? God will deliver us. But even if he's not able to deliver us, even if he doesn't deliver us, not able, sorry, even if he doesn't deliver us, we will still not bow. It's, you know, we like the wisdom of Daniel. We like the promotion of Daniel. But we don't like the consecration of Daniel. You see, there are things in your life you must consecrate to. You know, we've come to a point in our Christian race now where we are now debating if having premarital sex is okay. So that, you know, you go to Christian singles meeting and then believers are asking you, can we test so that we will know that the person can, is fruitful before we marry? And it's, it's an honest, I mean, question. Say, how can we know we are compatible in this area? (laughs) 
To love your own life less. Love your own comfort. When those knacks sold what they have and brought to the apostles' feet, Peter was not doing fundraising. It was a conviction that, listen, our brothers do not have the need to have. It wasn't about one person trying to acquire so much so that he would become the richest believer or the richest giver. That was not the aim. It was apostolic community. It was saying, you know what Jesus says? He says, if you have two pairs of shoes, say that's enough, you can give one out. One scripture that we must never forget as, as children of God is no matter what we acquire into this world, naked came you into the world. And naked you go out. You know, we don't obey those naked you go out. We like to clothe the people. But let me tell you, everything anybody acquires in this world, when the breath of life ceases, that's all. That's all. Even people you don't like are the people who eat. I'm telling you. People you don't like. Hmm? So, you must see this world from the eyes of God. Let's read on. Verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In the first one, you know, the basic instinct of life, the basic is to preserve your life. Jesus said, don't try to preserve it. Don't try to preserve it. Give it away. Give it away. Don't try to preserve it. There are things that are dear to your heart that God will say, give away. Sometimes there are relationships God will say, severe from, so I can use you. There are things God will say, hey, come on, cut off from this. I remember when the Lord started building me to teach the word. And I had a very direct instruction not to watch Christian television. And for four years, I didn't watch any Christian television. It was a bit tormenting. But now I realize, because it weaned me from whatever everybody was teaching. And I, that's when I began to fall in love with scriptures and appreciate interpretation of scriptures and conviction, boldness in interpretation of scriptures was bettered. There are things the Lord will win you from. There are things He will pull you. If you love your life, some of you, is sleep the Lord wants to win you for. But the way you lost sleep, God cannot, cannot use you that way. Disciples, pray with me one hour. They wait. It's not you. You have, you have examples in Peter. Hmm? Your master is struggling. You, Jesus who was walking on water, you could see that as he was praying, blood was coming out of it. it, it look at that graphic. The man was sorrowful unto death. He was about to die. He said, brothers, can you pray for me? Come, let's go pray. I'm writing a book now called Pray for Us. We only pray for pastors when we hear they have done bad things. Say, pray for pastor. I just say he want to leave his wife. Oh, it must not happen. He cannot bring disgrace to the church of Christ. That's when we pray. But when everything is going well, we want pastor to pray for us. You see, if you love your pastor, you must learn to pray for him every day. Every day. You know how many decisions pastors have to make in a day? A pastor can leave a funeral service and go to a baby dedication service. And he has to cry in the funeral service. He has to feel like the thing. <laughs> thing. Because if you go to a funeral service and you are laughing, the members will come to church again. See, my mother died and they were laughing. I saw him and his wife. They were laughing like this. So you have, to, you have to do like you are sad. And then from there you are driving to a baby's dedication. And you have to smile. Say, I came to my baby's dedication as if somebody died. So you have to laugh. And then maybe you go home, they now tell you your son took somebody's pencil from school. The, the man has come to live. I mean, all kinds of stuff. You have to pray. 
You ought to pray for your pastor. Alright? Verse 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So the disciple of Jesus must carry the cross. What is the cross? The cross is the symbol of death. If you want to be the disciple of Jesus, you must die to yourself. I, um, I, I was told of a, not I was told of a story. I watched the story, but I was telling someone else of the man called Lauren Cunningham. Lauren Cunningham founded what you call Youth with a Mission. How many of you have heard of Youth with a Mission? Youth with a Mission. They are missionaries all over the world. Blessed man of God. Blessed man of God. God called him to mobilize young people to go into the nations. They have what you call the University of the Nations. Very powerful missionary organization. When the Lord called him, one day somebody gave him money. Then he needed a suit, so he went to buy a suit. When he got home, the Lord asked him, so why did you buy the suit with my money? And he said, Lord, it's my money. I needed a suit. God says, no, you are now my disciple. If you need a suit, you ask me. Even though he had the money, if I want you to, you buy. If I don't want you to, I'll tell you what to do with the money. That day, he consecrated all his finances to the Lord. That's stewardship. We're not talking about tithe anymore. Hmm? You know one song we sing a lot in church, that every time we sing, I just say, God, have mercy on us when we sing this song. I give myself away. Oh. oh. <laughs> it's very easy. The lines are simple. And on your way home, the Lord tells you, when you get home, pray for 30 minutes. Say, ah, tomorrow is work. The man that has given himself away cannot pray for 30 minutes. Some of you sleep, slumber. Slumber is what is keeping your spiritual life down. If we take attendance now, or register, of how many people have prayed consistently this month? Let's say if you pray every day, put good. You see, good, zero, 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 good. Zero. Good, good. Good, good, good. When you hear a message like this, fire will come. Ah! If you enter the bus, say, no, we are praying. I want to pray. We want to pray to the house. Hmm? <laughs> Excited. When you hear revival message, oh God, oh God. By Wednesday, God is looking for you. Say, where was the person praying here? Ask yourself, if you were the only Christian in the world, would Christianity thrive? That's the question you ask yourself. If you were the only believer in the world, would God be able to trust you? Do you know this? Let me say this to you. You know, people say, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sins. But you know that's not true. Huh? Oh, you don't know? No, that's not true. God initially wanted to destroy... Are you following me? God initially wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sins. Then Abraham interceded. Huh? And Abraham asked for 50 righteous people. Did he found? Come on here. Did he found? Asked for how many again? 40, 30, 20, 10. Did he found? Lot left Abraham and carried prosperity to Sodom. All those shepherds that were fighting Abraham, that made Lot to separate to Sodom. All those shepherds, that means they were not righteous. All the people who worked for Lot, it means they were not righteous. So ultimately, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was because there were no ten righteous people. That's to tell you the power of righteousness. That if there were ten righteous people in that nation, 
it will, the hand of destruction will be stopped. You can't tell what righteousness does and what it preserves. That's why if you are born again in your family, stay saved. You don't know the preservation you're bringing. You don't know the, the guidance, the protection you're bringing. If you're saving your compound, stay saved. If you're saving your company, stay safe. Don't envy the world. One of the prayers you need to pray is, God, make this world dead to me. Don't, don't be, let the things of the world not excite you. Let them not move you. Let compromise not. Always be inspired by firebrand believers. You know, I always say, what we say, this person is committed to church today. It's not even commitment. Ask people who were born again years ago. It wasn't committed. Commitment. It, it was not commitment. What we refer to as commitment today. It's just basic believers. I mean, in those days, people went to church every day. They still had jobs, but they went to church every day. Women's meeting, choir, this thing, this one, baptism class, first convert class. And faithfully, grudging, faithfully, not grudgingly, no transports. Just like you went to church, they were hanging around, ah, sir, sir, don't have fair back. Oh. No, you came trekking, you went back trekking. Even because it was something like the pastor is even trekking. So his pastor said, I'll wait for you, wait for me, let's trek together. The pastor was not serving because of money. It wasn't like the pastor came on the pulpit and was boasting about how much he had. It was about consecration. It was about going to places where there were unbelievers and preaching the gospel. You know, I put up the, the church, I went to preach in the Bomosho, I put it up, and, and the pastor told me, he said, his people kept asking him. His people kept asking him until the day I came. Will Pastor Maxwell come? So I was, I was saying, why were they asking? He said, oh, they know how big you are. That you will not be able to come to this kind of place to preach. And I said, how did we get here in Christian faith? That there is a place a man of God cannot go and preach. That is not his standard. And it was an interesting service. They sang Yoruba all through. Yoruba hymn, Yoruba songs, really solid Yoruba, not these popular songs, you know, the real one. All true. The interpreted in Yoruba, all true. Oh, we had healings. Oh, yes, we had the, the power of God move through. But I ask myself, why would there be a place that I cannot go? What is it about somebody being a big man of God? Is it just about being, being a big man of God or we're servants of Christ? The cross is the place of death. The cross is the place of death. And Jesus says, if you cannot carry your own cross, if you cannot carry that death sentence on yourself, and say, it is what the master wants that becomes my goal. God's vision has become my mission. He says, you cannot be my disciple. Discipleship is not easy. To make you walk away from things. To make you walk away from certain things. There are certain words that should not come out of your mouth. There are certain associations you should not find yourself. There are certain things you should not... The scripture says friendship with the world is enmity with God. You declare yourself an enemy of God if you are friends with this world. Look at our skits. Comedy skits. Everything is sexualized. Adverts, sexualized. Even Christian comedies now. It's more about 
Women, women. And you know, it's very funny. Women shout about a lot of things, but you don't talk about that. Hmm? Ah, women have to lead. Give us 20% say, House of Assembly. Hey, 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 women, they are putting us down. They are, every time they're, they're talking about you, you are even laughing and sharing this. <laughs> the one that is demonizing people's hearts. Hmm? You ha- we have come to a place where you cannot just leave your child alone with the internet. You can't tell what will come in. We must get back to apostolic foundations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Child of God, Christianity comes with a price. Let's agree. It comes with a painful price. It comes with death to self. It comes with embracing the cross. It's not just about our enjoyment. It's not just about, about our happiness. Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> in those days when you got born again, the people who would write letters to their girlfriends and say this relationship is ended because I'm born again. Praise God. It will cost you. When the people who heard Peter or Stephen preach, they said they brought their magic books and they burnt them. There is a cost. There is a price to the faith. There is a price to the faith. And this, it says, if you cannot, whoever does not carry his own cross and follow me, says he cannot be my disciple. What's your cross? The place of death. Everybody's compromising. Would you also compromise? Hmm? They're writing exams. You don't know what to write. And everybody carries expo. What would you do? Say, I will just write and ask for forgiveness. It looks wise. But at that point, you've put your Natural exam success before the kingdom. Praise God. What level of compromise do you allow in your life? If you cannot carry the cross, you have to carry it. The cross is not a small piece of wood, it will bring discomfort, it's heavy, it's almost like a burden. We have to embrace this. We have to embrace this. The concept of discipleship. This is the calling that God is calling us to become His disciples. To, to, so that our character will reflect the messages that we hear. The next verse says, then it goes on to say, For which of you wants to build a tower? You know the whole story. And that is talking about discipleship. Count the cost of the faith you want to embrace. Go to verse 33. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possession. What was Jesus trying to say here? Not attached to material things. It's like that man says, my barn has increased. I will scatter my barn 
I will increase them. I will eat more. He was having the American dream. And retire. You must not be so attached to material things. There should be a freedom for possession. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There should be a freedom from material possessions. I believe the Lord will prosper us. Hmm? In fact, <laughs> we need prosperity. You know, when I went to learning to preach, just getting to learning from here alone, because of the prices in etiquette and everything, cost me 200000 Cost me 200000 to go flying there, Lagos to Ilong and everything. Then I use road one hour to Obomosho. How much was my honorarium when I finished preaching? 20,000. Profit and loss. 200 minus 20,000. 180. How we collect the balance? We can't do this thing for money. And that's when I really thought I would not come. But I told them I will come. <laughs> and I will still go. I'm going back to I'm going to Akure and Ilori again in, in, in um, July. CNS. You know CNS? You don't know CNS? Chobe and Seraphine. Yeah, they invited me. Now, this is interesting. They invited me to come and teach their Bible teachers how to interpret the Bible. So, about 80 of them, they are young Bible teachers. I'm going to spend two days teaching them how to interpret the Bible because they want me to teach them to help them get better. So I'll be with them. <laughs> Come and say, will you wear a white garment? <laughs> will you pull your shoes? What about if that's what it takes for them to hear the message? Then we'll have to do it. No, <laughs> I don't take picture. <laughs> but what I'm trying to tell you is we have to let go of our possessions, not tied to it. That's your car. Can God ask you to give it? That money you're saving, can God ask you to give it? Hmm? That your prized possession, can God say, hey, it's okay. That's your dress that you bow to before you check other dresses. You know, <laughs> there are certain times God can say, give this dress to somebody. Say, God, see. Hmm? There are things that I can give this one, this one, this one, but this one, don't be attached to anything. That's one thing I always tell my kids, I always tell my family, we are not attached to anything. God can ask us to give everything we have away. Don't get attached. Don't get attached to anything. Your material possessions says, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Do you remember that man? The rich young ruler? He said, I kept the law and I'm rich. And Jesus says, sell what you have and give to the poor. And the Bible says, he went back sorrowful because he couldn't give up his possession. His possessions had him. His countenance fell. How do you hold to money? What? How does money affect your mood? Must your arms be twisted before you give? 
Is, it, is your life so much about investment, investment? The scripture says, lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy it. Do you believe that scripture? Or all your investments are on the etrian. All your investments are day on the etrian. Consider your relationship to material things. Verse 34 says, Therefore, salt is good, but even if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It is either it is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears, let him hear. We have to die to the lower self. There are demands of discipleship. When the word of God is being taught, pay attention to it. It's your life. When the word of God is being taught, give your utmost attention. Don't trivialize the word of God. Don't be familiar with God's word. That is why as a person, there's nothing that gets to my core than when the word of God is teaching and people are doing other things. Respect for God's word. Honor for his word. Reverence for his word. If the governor were to be here, there are movements we will not make. If the governor were to be here, our phones will be off. If the governor were to be here, we would not move about. We, we would be, there would, there would be, a, a, let me use the word, a holy reverence, a compartment that would be in the atmosphere. Why do we do less for God? The disciple. Go to Mark chapter 10. It's 42 to 45. He says, calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. It's not so among you. Leadership in the kingdom is different. He says, but whoever, um, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. He uses the word slave. Dwellers. He uses the word slave. Dwellers. Shall be slave of all. That is the concept we don't want. The concept of slavery. See, he that wants to be first among you must be slave. We don't, you have to die to yourself to be slave. We want to be served. We want to be served. He says, not so among you. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Leadership in the kingdom is different. The leader is the one who serves. The leader is the one who, we, don't, we, we are not to be served. We are to serve others. We see the house of God as a place of service. 
Discipleship. Count the cost of discipleship. That's why disciples are few. What commitments concerning your life have you made? There are things you should make. There are commitments you should make. As a Christian single, what if everybody who wants to marry you say they must sleep with you? Would you remain unmarried? Or as the age is going up, you'll be reducing the standards. You know, there are some people that age will just frustrate. Even other people will just say, after all, he wants to marry you. Are there money in your possessions that shouldn't belong to you? When you feel that your company is not paying you enough and you have an opportunity, so you just pay yourself. Say, even God, even God knows. How did our country get to where we are today? How did our country get to where we are today? Little compromise on systems. It might not look big right now. Discipleship is a call to utmost consecration. There are things you must consecrate yourself to. If you want to be a disciple, you must die to yourself. To pray consistently is death to self. There are days you will not feel like praying. And I've told you this. I've told you this. Don't take what is happening in your life as a sign, 100%, that God is pleased with you. Let me give you an example. There is the rain of God that falls on the just and the unjust. That means as far as God created everybody on this earth, there is a level of blessing that everybody will enjoy, whether they serve God or not. Because He's a responsible Father. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why some people who don't even know God, they have money. They are doing okay. They travel, they return safely. There is the rain, the Bible says, that falls on the just and your just. Why are you becoming a disciple? It's so that God can use you for a greater purpose. That's it. It's not so, as for heaven, you are there already. But will you be useful to the purposes of God on earth? When will you make your life useful to God? Is it when you, you know, people teach this, when we go to heaven, we'll just be, God will show us one, one of his side, we'll say, whoa, I've never seen this side before. We'll be shouting, holy, holy, holy. Then God will turn like you say, oh, holy, holy. So as you are here now, God created you. Everything he invested in you, the blood of Jesus, everything is to go up and be shouting, holy, holy. So that's your usefulness. Hmm? Do you realize when you get to heaven, you are no more useful? Oh, yes. You are no more useful. Since you want to chant holy, 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 wear white garments. I mean, people come here and then they sing. I've told singers to just sing and stop preaching the Bible. Say, we are practicing how we are going to sing when we get to heaven. So when you get to heaven, you will not be doing then you look at Jesus and say, stand up and, and dance. Is that what you think you're going to be doing? Just messed up eschatology everywhere. And so people live here like there is no God. See, ah, there's something God cannot give to himself. God cannot give himself praise. Who told you that? He says he'll raise up stones to praise him. God doesn't have low self-esteem. He's a sovereign God. And we should stop throwing all these things around the pulpit. Things that aren't true. The one who can raise up stones to praise him. Don't you think if he wants to praise himself, he can do whatever to praise himself? 
When he says you were created for the praise and the glory of God, it's not so you can be shouting praise the Lord, praise the Lord. No. It's that by your actions, men will praise God. You were created to bring him praise. It's like when you have a child and the child performs well, then what will happen? Say, that child is giving me praise. It's not saying we will say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Are you useful to the purposes of God? Can God speak to you now and say, Hey, I need you to move to somewhere and get something done for me. Is your spirit alert to those kind of instructions? Or Christianity is just that this is the church I attend. What are your commitments? What is it that you cannot watch? What is it that you cannot put before your eyes? What are the things you, you know by your consecration I cannot watch? Do you just tell yourself, ah, I'm an adult. And then you allow all kinds of filth into your system. Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Have you made a covenant with your eyes? That I won't see this, I won't hear this. These are the demands of discipleship. You see, is it convenient? No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No discipleship process is convenient. It takes commitment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, it takes commitment. You think to do what we do is convenient. It's not, sir. Oh, it's not so. It's commitment to fulfill God's will. You think you are here because it was convenient? No, some of you came here tired. Some of you came here from your job. There are people who are as tired as you are and they just decided, oh, no, I'll go tomorrow. So I'm saying that nobody gets into discipleship by con- convenience. It's sacrifice. It's commitment. That's why when certain people say they wanted to follow Jesus, one man says, oh, I, I want to follow you, but let me first bury my father. What did Jesus say? Come on, talk to me. What did Jesus say? Let the dead bury the dead. Imagine you want to follow a man and say, oh, my mother just died. Please, let me just bury my mother. And I say, let the dead bury the dead. Will you follow me again? That man is wicked. Discipleship does not appeal to our emotions. It's a consecration of the heart. And until we raise more disciples, like Jesus said, he says, when the salt has lost its taste, what will it be used for? See, men will trample it underfoot. Hmm? Can we read it again? Let's read it. Luke 14. Everybody, turn your Bibles there. Luke 14. Let's read verse 34 and 35. Everybody, turn your Bible there. Look at it. Therefore, salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? If If the salt is now tasteless, what will season salt that should season other people? If Christians are now the ones stealing, cheating, and doing all kinds of things, who then can rescue us? That's what he's saying. If the sword has lost its taste. Then look at verse 35. It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. And he who has ears, let him hear. That's the call. The sacrifice of self. To read the Bible. Thank God for devotionals that came out to eight Christians. But you can see Christians today who their spiritual life are just tied to one, 100 words of devotional. Okay, our prayer. Our prayer for today, oh God, you have, you have guided us. Uh, confession, we confess. 
That's all their spiritual work for the day. And yet we want to take nations for God. And yet we want revival to come. Hmm? I was telling one of my friends. I was talking about revival. I said, are you my friend? We are talking about revival. How many times do we sustain the intercession for revival? How many times? Other than when we just raise it as a prayer point in church. When the revival broke out, the Welsh revival broke out by Ivan Roberts, the young people in the church were going to church every single day, every single day, four hours, praying, oh God, send revival to Wales. That was just their prayer point, one hour, every single day, until revival broke out. You think revival will, broke out, will break out by just five minutes of prayer? Let me run a broker. We are tired. People are doing Yahoo now, oh God. People are doing <laughs> God say, Do you want to join them? Eh? And that's all. Then on our way home, we will quarrel. We will fight. Hmm? On your way home, you just prayed for revival. Somebody's 1,000 naira fell down. You now pause. And then you just waited for the guy to go. Then match the money and stay there and just pick it. Revival. You need revival. Huh? Or you went to buy something. The person mistakenly gave you extra change. You say, Oh, Pastor said this is an amount of favor. This thing is working anyhow. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to work anyhow. Return somebody's money. That's, do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, these things look. We laugh about them, but can we just simply return to these basic things? Just these basic things that make people say, you know what, this guy is different. I preach in a lot of churches. Hmm? I've gone to preach in churches where they told me they would give me my honorarium. Yeah, we're going to say, ah, man of God, man of God, just send your account. We are going to, oh, you blessed us till today. Churches. <laughs> I've had people take money from me, loan, believers, and you give them at their word. Say, latest June. It's been five years. Hmm? I've had people who are believers. Hmm? Oh, want to marry this sister. And they have two other sisters. I say, we have the three in case one does not work. You are a Christian. I told you, those days when people got born again, they wrote letters to their girlfriends. Say, I'm not born again. I'm not a new man in Christ. I'm not doing it again. Today, when you get born again, you are writing letter. I'm not born again. I need you to, in this Christian journey. What are the terms of our consecration? See, there's still a lot God wants to do in the nations of the earth. He will need people who are sold out. And you know the challenge? When you become sold out, it looks like you are too serious with God. What even is not seriousness? What even is not commitment? How far can you travel to hear God's word? How far can you go? Can you stay up, all up late at night to listen to teaching messages? To listen to the word. Are you just writing the notes so you can write something? Or you go back and you're digging into the word and you're reading the word. Saints, there are demands of discipleship. And I pray that we all respond to those demands. That when the Lord confronts our hearts with areas, we become stronger for him. May people look at our lives 
and may the glory of Christ start attracting them. Hmm? Those little engagements with shop owners, those little engagements with drivers, with people when you are upset, that's where your character starts coming out. Praise the name of the Lord. Demands of discipleship. Can we pray this night that God will give us the grace to walk with Him? That our lives will be a reflection of His glory. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we thank You. We ask You, Holy Spirit of God, that You would help us to embrace the demands of discipleship. That You would help us to embrace the demands of consecration. That Father God, even when it comes to money and material possessions, that we would have a healthy perspective to it. We know you want to bless us. You know, we know you want to give us abundance. But we also know that, Father God, we should not have the love of money. We pray, Father, that you will purify our hearts. You purify our motives. That in this wicked and perverse world, we will shine as lights. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Let's, uh, we're taking announcements. Or oh, there's no announcement. Let's take our offerings and then uh, don't forget our workers meeting. Um, I believe you have all that sorted. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.